What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. From days long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The dream that came through a million years, that lived on through all the tears. It came here, the Fandom Nexus. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to our host as he plugged in his microphone. I have a podcast! Here he is, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. Yes, we're back, and it's looky. We're coming out on weekends now. <laughs> that, that's I think that's going to be the goal going forward. Getting back to that weekend release. So hopefully, I'm going to be able to be consistent on that, and we're getting back onto our regularly scheduled program. Yes, that is right. I am back. It is me, and I am not flying alone this week. And okay, you're never going to believe this. Those of you that what are new won't know. Those of you that are new are not going to know who you are. It's interesting. Yes. We have some new people that have just started joining the show, and they have not yet to meet the Lost Boy Eric. Well, hello. How's everyone doing? Which I'm, I'm waiting for my theme music to kick in here. But, oh, uh, well, I don't have a button for that anymore. <laughs> it's been that long. It has been that long. The show has been completely changed because, like, last time, cause I think it was, like, COVID. COVID that kind of nearly shut me down. And oh, yeah. the show started changing, and you were—they were giving you some crazy hours that I couldn't get coordinated with you anymore. And I was like, "Man, COVID just about killed this show." But we're back, and you're back, and I'm back, and I've got a back. Well, okay, does baby got back? Okay, no, I'm, <laughs> nobody puts baby. Okay, never mind. I'm not going to quote quote Dirty Dancing here. That's no, <laughs> that is beneath well, me. That's a- at the very least, I am finally out of overtime. I am finally able to spend a little bit of time doing the things I want, much of which involves enjoying the things of my past, enjoying the things that make me happy, and listening to extremely loud music. <laughs> yeah, I think I was like, no, my, my, my uh, music thing seems kind of loud. Let me turn that down just a little bit here. So, wow. Yeah, and then I actually get to hear all the music and all the funny sounds I make with my nice little Zoom machine now. Uh, but we've got a great oh, yeah. show planned, by the way. 
We've got all of the usual stuff of what you've been watching, what you've been playing. We've got some fun news, a lot of great stuff in the trailer park. And also, we've gotten to view Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, so we're going to review that movie and also talk a little bit about some of the Marvel characters that you find in there. And the, the music already stopped before I got to enter everything. Doggone music, you were supposed to keep playing, but that's okay. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> was I supposed supposed to yell Mortal Kombat? Because we were almost there. <laughs> I, I almost was going that direction. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard it rhythmically, but I was like, are we going there? Are we going there? Are we going well, there? Meanwhile, everyone listening is saying, finish it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, well you, you want to know what I've been playing or what I've been doing? You want to hear the whole two and a half years worth of stuff? Or Oh, my well, I know I haven't had a particular thing that I've been watching, and my the only thing I can talk about that I've been playing is, like, I'm still playing WWE, but I, I have started playing Skyward Sword, which I think I mentioned last week anyway. But uh, I know the big thing you've been playing that I want to hear about, Jedi Survivor. Oh, who wants to hear about Star Wars stuff? You know, Star Wars is not exciting. Yeah, Star Wars a, isn't enjoyable anymore, is it? It was this old independent film back in the 70s, you know. Made a couple of dollars. Yeah. A couple billion <laughs> I mean, goodness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have been playing uh, Jedi Survivor, and uh, well, if if now's when you want to talk about it, I can talk about it. Heck, fire! Yeah, this is when we usually talk about our games. All right. Well, Jedi Survivor picks up about five years after the events of Jedi Fallen Order. Cal Kestis is still out there. He's still trying to fight against the Empire, uh, but he's no longer with the crew that we met in. Jedi Fallen Order. Um, so this story is about how he meets back up with them, how he resolves the differences that they've had in the past as they are actively trying to find a place that can help uh, keep them and anyone that they find along their journeys safe from the Empire. Uh, it involves elements from the High Republic from 200 years in the past. It takes a look and sees what's going on at that time you know this is currently about 10 years before the battle of yavin mm -hmm. so you know there's a possibility that we might start to see cal starting to tie in with other elements that we've seen recently within the star wars universe you know this is about set about the same time as uh, obi-wan was uh the series we got last mm -hmm. year and star wars rebels should be about this exactly. time too Star Wars Rebels is still about another five years down the road. Okay. But, um, you know, the, it does have uh, cameos that you're not going to expect. Uh, it takes you to planets you might not have anticipated going to. Overall, I've really been enjoying this game. There are a lot of collectibles to go out there and find. There are a ton of collectibles, I'll put it that way. The only real criticism that I've got about the game is it feels like it went by way too fast. Mm. Now, my frame of reference here is Hogwarts Legacy. And I have absolutely loved Hogwarts Legacy, oh, yeah. being able to dive in and be a student at Hogwarts and do all sorts of stuff and not get into trouble for it. <laughs> but... Um, it's a very immersive map with a lot of things to do, a lot of things to keep you busy. Um, same thing with uh, Jedi Survivor, but I don't feel that it's quite as expansive as the original game. Um, we do have planets to explore, and the ex exploration is really the big draw of the game here. Yeah. You've got your main story, which will take you maybe about 20 hours to get through, and that's that's where my 
uh, biggest concern is, is that the story seems to pass by pretty quickly. It seems weird saying it's only 20 <laughs> yeah. hours worth of story, but you, you play through it pretty quickly, especially if you're on one of the lower settings, you know, which again, for my benefit, it's great that it's got lower gameplay settings because it allows me to, you know, fully immerse myself in the story without, while knowing that my reflexes certainly aren't up to par <laughs> to, to really, uh, enjoy that aspect of the game but yeah. overall i've really enjoyed it the story talks about loss it talks about um betrayals um but it also you know kind of wraps everything up and says okay this is where we're at this is what we've been doing let's go let's do better not just let's do something different let's do something better mm. so what's been your favorite jedi setup as far as because i've seen where you have your single-bladed lightsaber, your dual-bladed lightsaber, your pair of lightsabers, your crossbeam lightsaber, or lightsaber and a blaster. What has been your favorite? Yeah. The two stances that I've been using are primarily the du double-bladed sabers, or dual sabers, rather, and the blaster. Ah. As the blaster allows you to get in long-range shots that you normally are going to have a difficult time getting to with just your blades. Yeah. <laughs> Comes in handy when somebody's waiting to ambush you as soon as you make some difficult maneuver to get over to them. Well, and one of the one of the some of the collectibles are related to a little scavenger droid that if you don't get them just in time, you lose out on that collectible. You got to go back, find a save point, and restart to mm. try and get that collectible if that little droid gets away. So that blaster certainly helps in keeping that droid from running away too quick. That's not BD, is it? Oh, no, no, it is not. These are actually in the game. They're called scavenger droids. Hmm. Part of what the game uh, exemplifies is uh, searching, looking for hidden things, trying to find these different collectibles throughout the game. Uh, the planets that you go to have their own collectibles that you're looking for that can be redeemed. Um, part of the reason why you're looking for collectibles is that you can redeem them for uh, in some cases, cosmetic upgrades. You can change the way that Cal looks in the game. Uh, different clothing, different hairstyles, different facial uh, hair arrangements. You know, quite honestly, I have seen some videos of Cal looking like he just walked out of a uh, trailer park <laughs> with a mullet and a handlebar mustache with a red, white, and blue pistol in one hand and a red, white, and blue lightsaber wearing a um, tank top. Um, yeah, you <laughs> oh can actually goodness. go that, that extreme in there. Of course, the videos I've seen have had background music proclaiming Murica. <laughs> um, but yeah, the customization is pretty cool. But, you know, in the original game, you could change some elements. You, you know, could put on a different poncho or you could do a different general, uh, clothing. And you could also change the coloring on BD-1 and change the coloring on the ship. Nice. With this game, not only can you customize Cal's look and his clothing, but you can customize BD-1 with different parts. You can customize your lightsaber. It was something you could do in the previous game, but you can uh, not just customize and put different pieces onto your lightsaber, but you can choose different uh, metallic elements. Uh, to show there, you can change whether it looks polished mm. or rough. You can, you know, change the the type of, um, you know, you can make it look more like a wood grain than like metal on mm. some of these elements. You can also make those type of changes to your blaster as well. 
So if you want it to look like an Imperial Blaster, you can. Ooh. If you want it to look like Han's Blaster, you can. Now, I haven't come across anything to make it look like Chewie's crossbow. It's not really a rifle. Uh. But, um, you know, there's some pretty interesting and unique uh, variations on it. I think one of them, you can even make it look like Zam Wessel's blaster oh. with his kind of futuristic sci-fi look yeah. to it. Yeah, the futuristic but, look that's actually the past of what we grew mm-hmm. up with. Kind of a Buck Rogers type of futuristic. Yeah. Um, you, as I said, you do get to uh, learn a little bit about the High Republic. And, you know, while fortunately we don't have to hang out with any talking rocks, um, that's an inside joke if you know the uh, know the High Republic. I uh, know nothing um, of the High Republic. So. No worries. But you do get to spend quite a bit of time with a robot who has a leftover from the High Republic. And, you know, the storyline involves characters from the High Republic and a discovery that they made. Hmm. So, um, but through the storyline, uh, again, you get to reconnect with all of your friends from the first game. You're not really going to any places that you already have been in the first game. All of the locations are new. Certainly the most expansive world is the one where you find, uh, Grease the pilot at, um, called Kobo. That's where a lot of your side missions take place. That's where a lot of the collectibles are at. And Kobo is very integral to the storyline of this game. Um, you find that there's Imperial outposts that have been built in there. It's actually got a Luker Holt from the Clone Wars staffed with BD, or not BD droids, but B1 droids. <laughs> yes, I've so been hearing about battle all, droids are back. Exactly. You know, I'll tell you, there's nothing like climbing along a cliff towards the first part of the game, and you start to hear the Roger Rogers, and <laughs> you hear, you know, these B1 droids opining about, oh, this is a wonderful view. I think if all I ever had to do was look, I would choose this view to always look at, right before you slice them down. <laughs> Uh, it's got its own menagerie of um, of uh, creatures that you need to battle against, um, and you might even run across a Rancor mm-hmm. or two. Yes. I've heard there are some optional bosses that you can take on. There certainly are. Yes. Um, again, there, there's a lot to the game. The story, I felt, was just a little... Sh- I'm not going to say it was shallow. It just it wasn't quite enough. I would have loved to have more story, or at least add in you know another you know five to six hours worth of content around the story, which I would have loved. Yeah. But again, um, you get to visit some places where maybe we've seen on screen in the past. You get to visit some places that you know we've never been around before, and you know maybe we'll get to see some places that the Empire later blows up. I don't know. I'm not going to spoil any. Uh, I guess I kind of spoiled something kind there, of did. but I'm not going to you know, give it all <laughs> away. Um, but again, it's 10 years before the Battle of Yavin, so you know, there's still a lot of room and a lot of story that could be told within that next 10 mm-hmm. years. At the end of the day, it is a really fun game. I've really been enjoying playing it. Um, yeah, there have been some glitches, and a big patch just came out this last week to help fix some of the errors. The PC version has not been gotten great reviews because of a lot of the glitches that mm-hmm. players have had. I, however, have been playing it on a PS5, and you know the worst that I've had is I've gotten stuck in a spot, had to completely reboot my system, and just started off at the last save point that I was at. So mm-hmm. I just had to make up a little bit of lost ground. 
But nice. overall, it's a lot of fun. And again, once you get swinging with your lightsabers. <laughs> That's what, all we what, really what want to do anyway, isn't it? Exactly. We just want lightsabers. I, we want to cut stuff up. We want to, we want mm-hmm. to melt doors. I mean, come on. <laughs> and we're, we're not going quite as far as the Force Unleashed with your Force powers, but um, it builds upon the powers that you gained in the first game. Uh, you find new and inventive ways to use your powers mm-hmm. and uh, really kind of uh, change your perspective on some things. It also introduces a, uh, um, a grappling system. Hmm almost from the very beginning. So you're not just doing your platforming traversal. You can, you know, be just like, um, um, uh, Nathan Drake and <laughs> grapple from one spot to another. Nice. Um, in fact, my kids kind of mentioned, is this uncharted set in star Wars? I said, well, <laughs> kind of, but it's not necessarily uh, a bad thing. No, not yeah. definitely not. But, uh, overall, I've really enjoyed the game. I've had a lot of fun playing it. I'm having a lot of fun going through after completing the story mode and finding all of the little collectibles around. Um, it, it, it's a definite must play for me. And it's something that, you know, give me, uh, once I'm through with this, I'm going to give it a few months. I've got tears of the kingdom to look forward to playing, but I'm definitely going to revisit this game again, uh, in the very near future. And I'm waiting cause I'm trying to pay off some debts before I go and spend money on games again. Although I might not wait that long. <laughs> it may not be that long before I have to just jump on it like, I want to play this thing. So we'll see. Maybe there'll be a sale soon. Probably not. <laughs> hey, you never know. Usually about six months down the road, there's a nice drop that's in true. the price. So, Given about six, you know, We'll be looking at Christmas time in six months. You know, Of course, that's, that's also true. about the time I'm expecting the Final Fantasy VII remake, next, the next part of the remake series. And that is big on my Christmas list right now. You mean Spider-Man 2 isn't? Oh, that too. But I, I wasn't sure if that was going to be in the fall or, you know. That's going to be like September-ish from what I'm hearing. Yeah, so the fall. So I can have that one. And then when I'm done playing with that one, I'll be ready for Final Fantasy 7 as the next part of the remake, which I don't remember what this is called. Because uh, Reunion was the last one I think I got that was the, a remake of Crisis Core. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot what the next one's called. Oh, my goodness. But I am definitely looking forward to that one. So that's 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 my Christmas list. I've already All told right. people what my birthday list is. So far, so far, I haven't had any takers. We have, and we're getting close to my birthday here, y'all. But there is this big Spider-Man exhibit coming to Union Station that will be opening on the on the twenty sixth this month, my birthday, and I want to go. And somebody needs to take me for my birthday at least that weekend. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I'm hoping something, you know, because there's we're going to have stuff from the movies there and stuff from the comics, just all kinds of neat stuff. I'm like, I gotta go. So I'm hoping for that. That's my big Spider-Man thing that I want. I want something for my birthday. My anniversary is that same weekend too, y'all. So because somebody needs to go, I don't think my wife would appreciate it for an anniversary thing. Hey, we're gonna go see the Spider-Man thing for our anniversary. Uh, why? So I I've tried. <laughs> uh, uh, tell her that they'll have spiders on exhibit, and it'll help her with her uh, with her classwork. Sure, help to get her students interested in and and insectology and. There we go. You know, true story. Actually, uh, after my ju- in between my junior senior year in high school, I went on the with the Odd Fellows Rebecca's Lodge. They sent me on a they call it a pilgrimage to the UN, and we got to travel a lot of different stuff. And one of the things I did go to is the Smithsonian. And at that time, they were having a spiders exhibit sponsored by Marvel Comics. So there was a lot of Spider Man element stuff in there, but they were just showing how the neat things spiders can do and everything, which gave me a bit more of an appreciation. However, I did not appreciate the brown recluse I found in my bathroom this morning. I smashed him pretty good with some. Toilet paper. Oh goodness! Yes, don't like those in my house. 
Anyways, <laughs> I think it's time we go to some news. Sounds good. That's the wrong button. If it wasn't for me hitting wrong buttons every week, you know, y'all would start to miss it if I didn't hit the button. Except for usually I hit the trailer button instead of the news button. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. All right, so I'm going to show something here at the camera that uh, that Eric is seeing me on. So ah. I, I learned something here at Free Comic Book Day as they had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic. And it, I looked at it and said, this is cool. It's very styled from the 80s. Mm-hmm. What this is previewing is TMNT Saturday Morning Adventures coming May 31st. It might already be out in comic shops. Uh, but there is a comic book now that's going to be picking up where I guess the 80s series left off, doing in that same art style. Uh, it's probably out in comic book shops right now. I am looking forward to checking it out. It would be really cool if it had some of the same writers that had written some of the episodes of the uh, the old animated series. But uh, I have not really, other than Free Comic Book Day, I haven't really picked up a comic in a long time because I've been buying games mainly <laughs> with, my, <laughs> with my fun money. But this is definitely now on my pull list of like, ooh, I want to read this. Because I don't, like, if I tried to get into like, well, The Last Ronin I could probably read, but if I wanted to read any Ninja Turtles comics, I would be confused of what they've had going on since whatever time. But this is picking up from the era that we grew up watching Turtles. So I'd be able to just jump right in and be like, yeah, I know all the things going on with these characters. So uh, that's that's the first thing I have on some news right there. I'm super excited. I didn't even know until Free Comic Book Day that this was happening. That that, that, uh, title has actually been coming out for about three or four months now um, with this Saturday morning title to it really and you're right it does harken right back to those 1980s or to the 1980s series um alongside that i have been playing the um the teenage mutant ninja turtle shredders revenge game oh yes which has also been hitting me right in those 80s nostalgic mm-hmm. feels compared to the old Turtles arcade game. But um, the, the, the only disappointment that I have with this current series is that it is not featuring art by Ken Mitroni. Now, you might not know who Ken Mitroni is by name, but he was one of the two artists who worked on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic book series from Archie. Teen- TMNT oh, Adventure. yes. You know, Him along with that, um oh dang it and the other guy and he actually just came up on Facebook today a guy Gilchrist used yes, to draw some of those yes. comics too and I've gotten to meet him before. Mm-hmm. Now Ken Mitroni has uh, worked on a little thing called the Great Space Arc. I have no idea. No, okay. <laughs> nope. He also you know worked for a little company called Pixar. Oh okay. Helped design like uh, a guy named. Um, uh, oh, no. Now I'm blanking out on the character's name. It's the bad guy from Buzz Lightyear. Zerg. 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 Nice. Help design Zerg. And um, uh, and I'm following him on Facebook as well. It's just he had a very distinctive style, very cartoony style that I really like. You know, he's been posting pictures of his uh, Turtles art that he's doing as commissions. And it just, again, it's hit me right there in the nostalgic feels of, yeah, this was... 1989, 1990 for me, and you know maybe I was in high school, and maybe the TMNT adventure books were a little below my reading level, but you know, 
this stuff just hits me right back in those yeah. fields and gets me back into my youth. And I'm so glad to see that um, IDW, I think, is who's publishing these mm, books, yeah. has picked up on that nostalgia and is actively working to, you know, draw in old time fans with this art style, with these stories and with these characters, you know, mm. being very much in tune with the characters as they appeared on the 1986 series. Yeah. And I would really love it if they, if, Archie, if, if Archie still owns the rights to it, but if they would just re-release in like some books, some volumes of the old Ninja Turtles Adventures comic, I would be so happy. You know what? They have, uh, but it's been a few years. Oh, my, how did I miss this stuff? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. Well, now, see, I got stuff to go track down because I apparently I'm now a few issues behind on this series that I want to start reading, and I want to read the, all the Adventures ones. My goodness. Oh, wow. Because, I, I, yeah, I want to read that stuff. Because I didn't get to read it all when I was younger. I was, you know... I was broke. I was a poor kid. I was middle school. You know, <laughs> so you ain't got no money in middle school. So, anyways, but the next thing I have, I don't really grab two things for news this week because uh, this is this is just kind of some fun with Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse swinging into theaters on June the second. Burger King is offering a red Whopper inspired by Miles Morales' suit from May fifteenth through June twenty-first. So, uh, probably by the time you hear this episode, you could go to Burger King and get a red Whopper. <laughs> Now it's the bun that's red, not the burger. Oh, right, right. That's you know because you, I, I like my meat well done. I'm sorry, folks. I, I, it can't be bleeding, y'all. Mm-mm. I want it. I want it done. Not like burnt, but I mean still juicy. But yeah, I, if it's pink, I'm sending it back for a little bit more cooking. Just make sure it's got a nice sear on it. Yes, yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. So, but yeah, I thought that was kind of fun. They're going to have a red thing. It was a lot better. Then they try at one point they were going to do a green bun, and everybody's like, oh, that just looks gross. Well, and they've, they've also had a black bun in yeah. the past. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, with certain dietary um, consequences as a result. Mm, yes, I think I remember hearing about that. I didn't eat one, and I'm thankful. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. So, yeah, that's the only bits of fun. But uh, now just to keep the show rolling, and I'm going to make sure I hit this button. The Neverland Trailer Park. Yeah, some of these sounders just ain't changed, even though the show has changed. <laughs> but I, I got a ton of trailers, and one of these trailers I haven't even watched yet. But uh, this is one, this is a bit more of a series, but I'm interested in it from Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer. This is a national emergency. Detonator's charged. We're in a race against the Nazis. And I know what it means if the Nazis have a bomb. have a 12-month head start. 18. How could you possibly know that? We've got one hope. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. Let's go recruit some scientists. Build a town, build it fast. If we don't let scientists bring their families, we'll never get the best. Why would we go to the middle of nowhere 
for who knows how long. Why? Why? How about because this is the most important thing that ever happened in the history of the world? You're the great improviser, but this... you can't do in your head. Are we saying there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world? Chances are near zero. Near zero. What do you want from theory alone? Zero would be nice. This is a matter of life and death. But I can perform this miracle. World War II would be over. Our boys would come home. That's happening, isn't it? The world will remember this day. Our work here will ensure a peace mankind has never seen. Until somebody builds a bigger one. You are the man who gave them the power to destroy themselves. And the world is not prepared. to know what's next. Two. What's next? One. Oppenheimer is coming July 21st. Uh, written and directed by Christopher Nolan. Uh, this, I mean, wow. Uh, and I like the, some of the description it has here. It's shot in an IMAX. Uh, epic thriller that thrusts audiences into the pulse-pounding paradox of the enigmatic man who must risk destroying the world in order to save it. Starring Cillian Murphy as J. Robert Oppenheimer, Aaron Lee Blunt as his wife, biologist and botanist Catherine Kitty Oppenheimer, uh, Matt Damon is in this, Robert Downey Jr., Louis Strauss, so many people showing up in this movie. Uh, and I mean, it's this, I mean, I like a good historical drama, but I mean, this is one of the things where, like, yeah, we're, we're trying to make this bomb before the Nazis make one. You know, we're trying to race because we feel like we have to make this thing. And then, you know, this is the bomb we used and realized, what have we done? We've now created the scariest power that we possibly can have, and I, I like this line in the trailer says like, "Oh, we've, you know, we've we've got a bomb that we can we can have peace now until somebody makes a bigger bomb." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very scary, very dramatic time when we realize you know where we've been in the uh, the nuclear age, and uh, especially you know, heck, Russia's already threatened to launch some at people. You know, there's still that looming threat that one day somebody's going to just push the button. And there it goes. Yep. So yep. I, I'm interested in seeing this. This looks very intriguing. Uh, a lot of stories that most of us really just don't know about. Oh, yeah. Well, and I'll tell you, though, you know, here we've got a summer movie coming out with a guy in a fedora who wants to fight the Nazis. <laughs> and it's yep. not Indiana Jones this time. <laughs> and, but, but they were loading. The government had something important in a big wooden crate. Mm, yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, I'm looking forward to checking this one out. Uh, it's on my list. Here, and here's something that I didn't think I was interested in when I heard about it because the Gran Turismo games don't have a story. It's just a racing game. I was like, I don't care. But then I saw the trailer for it in front of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and I must say I'm intrigued. It's actually based off a true story. 
If you miss a line in the game, you reset. If you miss it on the track, you could die. Who do you think the best driver is? Probably Rory. I would dust him in a lap. Jan, all you do is play video games with some crazy dreams of racing cars. Dad, you're the one that told us to always do something we love. You know what racing cars cost? Look around. It's not our world, son. What is this? It's a contest. The best Gran Turismo players in the world get a chance to compete in professional racing. Dude, this is real. This is real. I'm sorry. You really think you're going to take a kid who plays video games in their bedroom, you're going to strap him to a 200-mile-an-hour rocket. It'll tear him to pieces. You can hate me now. It's not going to work. The guys who race are elite athletes. But I won't stop now. Your kids are scrawny little gamer kids. Well, that's where you come in. Come on, let's go! Because I can't stop now. Must be a new experience for you, moving your legs. <laughs> You puked on my lawn. There's no turning back now. When you're in a race, the cockpit is going to be 140 degrees Fahrenheit. The G-forces will be twice what an astronaut experiences upon liftoff. I can't see anything! Hey, you get extra points for that in the game? Had to hustle hard, never give up. This whole thing is insane, but out of the couch-surfing nerds that you sent me, he is the best one. You made it. Yes! Welcome to Team Nissan. What's next? It's major leagues. The other drivers are going to hate you. Come on. Whoopsie. Dude, what is your problem? It's part of the game. It's called racing. If you miss a line in the game, you reset. You miss it on the track. You could die. You I know this track. I've raced it a thousand times. That's what I'm talking about. But I won't stop now. So this is coming in August. Uh, let's see what we got in our description here. Oh, they don't have a description actually here on uh, Sony's official chain. Oh, no, here it is. Based on the true story of Jan Martinborough, the film is the ultimate wish fulfillment tale of a teenage Gran Turismo player whose gaming skills won a series of Nissan competitions to become an actual professional race car driver. Uh, and I thought I recognized uh, the guy playing his father. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Nijimon Hinsu. Yeah, I recognized him. And, of course, David Harbour and Orlando Bloom also in this. Oh, look, Jerry Hollowell Horner. So we got a Spice Girl in this thing, too. Who would have thought? But uh, I did not expect to be interested in this. But I saw that, and I was like, you know, this is kind of just an intriguing idea. You know, somebody really taking your risk. It's, you know, can we learn things? Because they actually have used some video game stuff to actually train people in certain things. You know, training. You've got Microsoft making flight simulator games that are very pretty much real. Like if you could learn this game, you could learn to actually fly something. So uh, I find this to be a pretty intriguing concept. So I kind of want to check it out. Coming in August. Without, does that sound like something you would have thought to be interesting until you saw a trailer? 
Oh, you know what? Uh, the story behind it intrigues me. And, you know, one thing that I've loved about the Gran Turismo games is that they really have been top notch in trying to actually put you right there behind the seat of the car yeah. as you're racing. And I think this is the perfect marriage of game and true story. Yeah. So it's, I, I would not have thought I'd be interested in this because, you know, I only have ever played like the first one back on the old PlayStation. And mm-hmm. I was just I was blown away by how realistic the cars looked. Uh, even oh, yeah. on the old PS1, you know, generation, I was like, wow, but what they can do now. But I, the more realistic they get, the, the harder time I have playing a driving game. So now the only driving games really I play is Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. But I'll tell you, if he starts talking about family and they send cars up <laughs> into space, I, I, I might have a little bit of uh, concern. Uh, yeah. Here's something else I didn't know was coming, but uh, it caught my eye. You know, Wes Anderson, when he makes a movie, has that certain color palette that just looks interesting. Uh, but he's got a new film coming out that just looked weird and wacky and fun, and I, I kind of want to check it out. It's called Asteroid City. You're not here. We're not there. The car exploded. Come get the girls. I have to stay here with Woodrow. I'm not the chauffeur. I'm the grandfather. Where are you? Asteroid City, Farm Route 6, Mile 75. Junior stargazers and space cadets. Each year, we celebrate Asteroid Day, commemorating September 23rd, 3007 B.C., when the arid plains meteorite made Earth impact. Holy Toledo, that's Mitch Campbell. You're very good in the one about the tramp in the brothel who gets amnesia and becomes a pediatrician. You were very awesome. Actually, maybe my favorite character ever. I don't know why nobody else liked it. What do those pulses indicate? What? Oh, the beeps and blips? We don't know. Some of our information about outer space may no longer be completely accurate. Anyway, there's still only nine planets in the solar system as far as we know, Billy. Except now there's an alien. What's happening now? I don't know. I don't like the way that guy looked at us. The alien. How did he, how did he look? Like we're doomed. Maybe we are. I've just informed the president. How long can they keep us in Asteroid City, legally? The world will never be the same. That's an alien doing jumpy jacks. That's an alien in a top hat. What's out there? The meaning of life. Maybe there is one. Are you married? I'm a widower. But don't tell my kids. You're saying her mother died three weeks ago. Let's say she's in heaven. Which doesn't exist for me, of course, but you're Episcopalian. In my loneliness, I learned to give complete and unquestioning faith to the people I love. I don't know if that includes you, but it included my daughter and your four children. Sometimes I think I feel more at home outside the Earth's atmosphere. Oh, wow. Me too. They're strange, aren't they? They're children. Compared to normal people. Yes, that's correct. It's true. Mm -hmm. Freight train, freight train, going so fast. Freight train, freight train. I do a nude scene. You want to see it? Huh? Did I say yes? You didn't say anything. Uh, I meant yes. My my mouth didn't speak. So this is coming June 16th. It just has that weird Wes Anderson style. Uh, Asteroid City takes place in a fictional American desert town circa 1955. The itinerary of a junior Stargazer Space Cadet convention organized to bring together students and parents from across the country for a fellowship and scholarly competition is spectacularly disrupted by world-changing events. And let's just say this is an all-star cast. Holy cow. <laughs> I mean, even from a... Oh, uh, 
Oh, dang it. Ethan Hawke's Tom daughter. That, yeah, Tom Hanks, that, oh, Ethan Hawke's uh, daughter that was in Stranger Things, even. That's the range. Maya Hawke, yes. That is some serious range of actors. Uh, even Steve Carell in here. Uh, I saw Jeff Goldblum's name actually go by on yep. the uh, the list. I mean... Scarlett Johansson. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's jam packed full of uh, big names. Oh, uh, indeed. And it's given me such Route sixty six vibes. Oh yeah. Just the kitschiness of it. Um. So this this is definitely something uh, I I'm interested in following up on. Yeah, and the the looking of it of the town reminds me if 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 the Cars movie was uh, done as a real life thing, it would kind of look how this movie looks. With being out in this little desert, small town thing, look. What do you mean as a real life thing? I visited Radiator Springs. It's in Anaheim. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what this town looks like. It reminds me of Radiator Springs, and even the color palette they use is just such bright colors that I'm I'm down. This looks really cool. So then, all right, all right, we've got one last trailer that I have not even gotten to watch yet, but uh, we actually have a third trailer for Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. And I clicked it, and it's nothing happening. There we go. My name's Miles Morales. I'm Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man. And things are going great. He's gonna be here any minute. Should be simple enough. Give me your money. So are you like a cow or a Dalmatian? Ah, Spider-Man! I am the spot. (laughs) It's not funny. Don't, don't do that. There's bubbles now. Hold on. I don't think I want this costume anymore. Oh, in a minute. Hey, wrote it all as one word. That's cute, right? The youth. How's this going? Miles. Miles. Miles' grades are pretty good. A in AP Physics. That's my little man. And a B in Spanish. What? Ooh, okay. Miles. Are you trying to Mira, that's not impossible. I gotta go. All right, bye. Miles! Gwen? Wanna get out of here? Welcome to Spider Society. I'm Spider-Man. Oh, no way. All of us are. Meet Miguel O'Hara. He's like a ninja vampire Spider-Man, but a good guy. Plus, he's like such a good leader. Miles. There's moments in our stories that are the same for all of us. Some good. Did you bring our baby to another fight? I knew I was going to regret making her that web shooter. <laughs> you asked me not to, so I, I didn't. I wouldn't. Some bad. You have a choice between saving one person and saving every world. To me, that's an obvious choice. Send me home. I can't do that. I can do both! All stations, stop Spider-Man. You? You want me? Everyone keeps telling me how my story is supposed to go. Nah, I'm gonna do my own thing. Can this day get weirder? I guess it can. There's nowhere to run. Sorry! My bad, everybody. There was somewhere to run. June 2nd. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the next animated film from Sony Pictures. And here's, we got some description here from Sony. Pardon me while I 
my cherry seven up. Miles Morales returns for the next chapter of the Oscar-winning Spider-Verse saga, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. After reuniting with Gwen Stacy, Brooklyn's full-time friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is catapulted across the multiverse where he must, well, where, where he encounters a team of Spider-People charged with protecting its very existence. But when the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles finds himself pitted against the other Spiders and must redefine what it means to be a hero so he can save the people he loves most. Basically, this is Flashpoint Paradox, uh, or he, I, I, what I'm predicting here is his father is going to be killed, and he's going to try to want to save his father, uh, and uh, that will, you know, cause ripples and serious destruction and possibly a new villain out of there. And I, I, I'm predicting that Miguel is going to have been right, uh, and this will be a heavy lesson for Miles to learn. That's what I'm predicting. Uh, but who knows? I could be wrong. Maybe they'll do something slightly different, but it really reminds me of the Flashpoint Paradox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely hear you though. But I'm excited to see what they do with the spot. Yes, <laughs> you know they've really taken an interesting angle with that. But you know, I want to know when when does Pace Pop Pete get his due? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've had movies with the Green Goblin, Doctor Octopus, and now the Spot. When does Pace Pop Pete, you know, finally emerge and get to show his grandeur <laughs> alongside like- Stiltman? Oh, Stiltman, or or even heck, I'd take the White Rabbit and uh, Frogman. At some oh, point, yeah. would be nice just for just for something to mix it up. But still, at least giving something to the Spot because the Spot, you know, done right, he can be a, a threat because uh, his power can cause you some serious problems. Oh yeah. So oh yeah, they've done him as kind of a joke, but I bet he could he could be the one that, who's going to become a more serious threat mm-hmm. uh, due to Miles' actions. Perhaps we'll see. That's coming up very, very, very soon, June 2nd. Mark your calendars. Uh, do it now. Okay. You know, don't pause. Pause the podcast. Don't turn it off. Pause the podcast. Go get it. Go to your Google calendar or wherever on your phone, whatever, Apple calendar, whatever you've got. Mark it down. June 2nd. Okay. Okay. But in order to just keep the show going, I'm going to hit this button. Oh, Want to see a movie? Yeah. Any good? It was bad. I'm fuzzy on the whole good bad thing. My eyeballs could have been sucked from their sockets. I like it a lot. The best movie ever made. A fandom nexus movie review. You know, I feel like I really should have pulled up an IMDb page to be able to talk about the cast of this. I'm going to do that real quick. Uh, but yeah, we saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. I figure you've gotten a chance to check this out as well, haven't you? Oh yes, saw it uh, a week ago Thursday. We could go Thursday. Okay, so you got in those early showing. Oh, yeah. I, I waited for Saturday so I could do it as part of the whole, you know, free comic book day thing. <laughs> it's it's tradition for me. It is tradition. Uh, there's one thing I wanted to look up because the actor playing the High Evolutionary looked familiar. Chikwudi Awuji. I hope I'm saying his name somewhat right, but I'm like, why do I recognize him? So I've been meaning to look in this up, and I had not done it. So he's known for John Wick Chapter 2, but I ain't seen that. Uh, when they see us designated survivor, let's see. I'm looking for something that I've actually seen that he has been in. And so far, I'm not seeing anything. But why did he look familiar? Because I have not, you know, I've only seen one John Wick movie, and I watched it when it was uh, uh, edited. Oh, he popped up as a, in a character in a Doctor Who Back in 2011, maybe I've seen him there. That might be it. So, but and yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw him in News of the World with Tom Hanks. Uh, yeah, I don't think I saw that one. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I remember. Uh, I think I even talked about the trailer, perhaps in the the podcast back at the time, because I remember seeing like, Ooh, but I don't think I actually watched that movie. Was it good? 
Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. So I'll have to take a look in that. But overall, though, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, uh, I've uh, my wife didn't get to go with us because she didn't want to go to Free Comic Book Day. I was basically telling her this is Toy Story 3, where you're taking some of the humor that you got from the first previous two movies and making a more a slightly darker, more emotional story that you will laugh, you'll cry, you'll cl- applaud when the credits aren't rolling because that's what happened. That's... Uh, it's pretty much that level where like, is this the best of the series? Maybe, but I had more fun watching the other two because this one really tore my heartstrings all over the place uh, at very different times. Uh, We've got a a great story here. We've got even a character that I'm not that familiar with, but I did did some research and I'm going to share the information with y'all about who the high evolutionary was. And also some backstory of, of at least the film version of rocket, which I believe does uh, have some differences from the actual origin of rocket from the comics. Uh, but getting into those, all you know, it's been nice seeing characters that I'm I'm maybe familiar with from I think the Avengers animated series uh, from that was the uh, the Earth Mightiest Heroes. I think the the High Evolutionary might have popped up there, and I feel like he was mentioned or popped up somewhere maybe in the X Men in the nineties, uh, like in the later seasons. I, I don't know. But yeah, it's very possible. It's very possible. But the high evolutionary pops up, and he's well. This guy, he's one of those names that gets mentioned, even if you're only reading Spider Man. He'll he'll pop up somewhere, like Thanos, and uh, to get to see him fleshed out, and uh, oh my gosh, with a uh, very uh, manic performance, uh, ranging between the almost caring when uh, you when you look at some of Rocket's origin to the madness of things not going his way, and uh, boy, he was just. Scary in his own way. Very different from, um, um, oh, golly, and now my brain just went out the window. Yeah, very different from King, where King is a very calm menace. The the uh, I wish the actor hasn't messed up, because I would like to see him continue playing this role, uh, because he was very, very scary without being over the top. But this guy, you know, to be a contrast character, he was just rage and insanity but uh, oh my gosh he, that made him scary he did it just right it wasn't over the top it was just enough to be ooh when we, we got to stop this guy cuz i mean this isn't this isn't a story where we're like oh we've got to save the galaxy from this great threat it's we want to save our friend and oh my gosh this is our pro- this guy is our problem of keeping us from saving our friend by the time they get to it uh, and really, it was just a great ride. Uh, the only real complaints I would have is uh, there was an F-bomb dropped in the middle of this film, which I didn't find to be necessary. I don't know why uh, this is a Disney Marvel film and we had that happen. But, <laughs> but I guess they don't care these days. But I did. I was like, ooh, that kind of it, it shook me out of it a little bit. Like, whoa, hey, especially the actor that they have saying it. Uh, I, I felt like it's a, a, against the type of person he's presenting himself as. Uh and that, that ugh, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to get too far into that. But, yeah, I don't want to spoil who says it. But, uh, yeah, I was like, ugh, coming from his mouth, that seems really rough um, because he's come to represent a lot of different things. Um, and he's, he seems to make a stand on things that I would agree with. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. But overall, I really enjoyed it. I, I You know, it's, it was two and a half hours, but I really didn't notice the length of the movie, because it felt to me like the, the pacing was really good. They filled it up with enough story. I was intrigued with what's going on with Rocket's backstory and all the different elements going on. And when we weren't getting the intriguing elements, they were doing something funny to make me laugh again. 
mm-hmm. but also really develop the characters and showing how some of these characters that maybe didn't feel appreciated, what's special about their characters, maybe outside of what we would think uh, is what makes that character special. Showing them like, hey, you know what? And oh, uh, I almost cried at this line where somebody gets their name renamed at the end, but I'm not going to say what, but I think you probably know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, they call you this. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're going to call you this. And I was like, oh, oh, you being a father, I bet, oh, I, I'm going to give away stuff I ain't careful. But you being a father, I bet that hit you a lot more than it did me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I highly enjoyed this movie. I uh, just had a great time with it. And I'm looking forward to taking my wife to see it because she's going to cry, too, because there's a lot of animals. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and there's a bit of a warning there. If you're an animal lover, you might have a hard time with this film. Um, I did take my whole family to see this. My little 11-year-old daughter got a bit squeamish because the animals in this film are not treated very well by the high evolutionary. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, we've seen images of Rocket without his, uh, you know, shirt or vest on. And you can tell that he's actually had some pretty invasive procedures done to him. Mm -hmm. This does not leave much to the imagination to show what kind of procedures were conducted on him and other animals by the high evolutionary. Yeah, you see at least the end results, and there is there is one scene that they, they kind of hitchcock it for you where they're seeing what's happened, and uh, even uh, Nebula says, like, wow, what was done to him was worse than what was done to, even to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they're not showing it to you, but you get the idea of what they're seeing. Uh, and and uh, there there's definitely a scene, though, with those animals that, especially if you love animals, you're going to cry. Uh, if you if you had a hard time with the whale in Avatar Way of Water, you'll have a hard time with this. And I didn't see that movie, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So there's no context. I have no context Um, there. But, you know, it is a very moving story. Yes, it was. Keep keep in mind that people going into this movie, we've lost characters in the first movie. We lost characters in the second movie. So, you know, if you're approaching this movie anticipating a loss, just be prepared. You're not going – you're you're not expecting to have happen what you're expecting. It's a lot more emotional. Yeah, uh, you're. Uh, well, I don't want to say that I, I won't. Yeah, there was there was yeah. people even going into the movie from friends of mine that had heard certain things. Oh well, somebody had said this, so I bet that character is not going to make it. But uh, uh, I I was actually able to make a lot of predictions as things were going along of like certain bits of dialogue, and I I kind of was thinking it's like oh well these characters are not actually going to die, uh, especially they were too invested in one character. Um, but some of the dialogues bits that came up, I was kind of saying in my head, it's like, oh, this, they're going to say this because that's going to be the thing. And that, towards the end of it, there was two really big lines that I was like, yeah, I know what the, 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 the otter's going to say this and rocket is going to say that. And I was like, mm-hmm. yep, there they are. But yet mm-hmm. I didn't mind. Yeah. I, I was well, like, and- you know what? I, I, I predicted that was about to happen, but it's like, it was awesome when it did. Mm hmm. Well, and, you know, what What I will say is one of my favorite lines from this movie, and I think you'll agree with me, was, I love you guys. Yeah. Oh. That was absolutely great. It is a great part of the movie, and it mm-hmm. kind of cements, I think, a lot of what this, uh, what these three films have been about. Yes. Yes, definitely. And even who says it kind of leads up to, like, you, you, you kind of learned that everybody has started to understand uh, except for one yep. person who's not been around, doesn't understand. But then maybe at that point, it's like, hey, we the audience get to understand. Maybe this character will understand as well. 
It's all about understanding. Yes. And I, I, I hope I didn't say too much, but I, I, well, I appreciated that really good. I was like, oh, we can understand now. Now, um, <laughs> you know, a, a few of the other things that I really liked, um, we have Kraglin, who at the end of the last movie is still learning how to use Yondo's, Yondu's arrow. Yep. And he has a great moment. We've got a great moment of Cosmo, mm-hmm. you know, who's been fighting throughout the whole movie, wanting to be called a good dog. Yep. <laughs> and that, that she's not a bad dog. And there's a wonderful payoff for that. Yep. Um, there's, there, there's, you know, and, and we get to have some fun with it too. Nathan Fillion shows up in <laughs> yeah. a cameo, you know, who's really, he is just eating the scenery. Yes. With every scene that he's in, you know, secretly I was hoping that he would, you know, join the guardians, you know, and realize that, you know, what, what, whatever job he was performing, you know, as the character in the movie was not worth it. And he just joined the guardians. Maybe there's a chance for in the future. Of course, I was always hoping he'd be Simon Williams in disguise, but yeah. what can you do? Yeah. Um, there was all that talk that he was going to be wonder man. That, and I don't know what happened about that, but yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, overall, it is a fun movie. Just be prepared for some dark content from it. Yes, um, indeed. And it, it is closing out a trilogy, you know, so you are going to have highs, you're going to have lows. And, you know, we do know that uh, going into it, that this could be the last time we're seeing some of these characters. Yeah. Um, so, but with that said, the way that the movie ends, the, the, the note of one of these two, um, Actually, both of the post-credit scenes um, does mm. leave you on a good note. Let yeah. you know that things are moving in a very new direction, um, and you know we'll have to see what happens with that. But yeah. you know, I, I was I was satisfied with both of those scenes. You know, neither of them were a uh, admonishment from you know Captain America saying that we need to be patient. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, they were both just like, oh hey, we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to see what they're going to do with Adam Warlock in the future. Yes, definitely. Adam is definitely an interesting character. Um, it's it's very interesting the way that he was brought about. Of course, he was teased yeah. in the last Guardians movie. Um, and the way that they approach his character and just mentally where Adam Warlock is at is a very interesting arc. Yeah. Because he's he's got a lot of things he learns and he grows throughout this movie and uh, and lands where he needs to land and learns some very valuable lessons and starts to become the Adam Warlock we're a bit more familiar with. Mm-hmm. But after some big slobber knocker fights. Oh yes, and of course because we got to have some slobber. And, and speaking of uh, slobber knocker, I will say that this movie is kind of gross at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is some nasty stuff flying around, and heck, there's even the, a place they go to that is completely made organically. And every imagine when you push a button, it is this fleshy, gooey thing that you have to push. That's the button. Uh, stuff in, like instead that. Instead of cameras, there's actual eyes. Yeah. So be warned. Uh, there's there's some bits that would probably be a little scary. There's a reason why it's PG-13. Uh, I wouldn't bring younger children there because it's a little scary, I think, for them at times. That, oh, there's some big nasty monsters that maybe are not as monstrous as you think. Um, but yeah, so I'm like, yeah, maybe uh, maybe they earn the, the PG-13 a lot of this. How, how did your 11-year-old handle some of that? She spent a good deal of the movie on my wife's lap. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, it was, it it definitely was a bit rough for her. The older two who are 15 and 18, I can't believe my oldest is 18. Um, yeah, I'm getting old. Um, you know, 
had a enjoyed the movie. They had a good time at it. Um, but yeah, the eleven year old she she had some difficulty with it because of you know the the scenes involving animals and yeah. Uh, but you know I I will say this. I agree with you. This definitely is Toy Story 3, but there's mm-hmm. also one significant Toy Story 1 element. And that is? Involving, well, involving spider legs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I can see that. A tribute to the thing, I would guess. Yeah, which although uh, uh, Philip was saying that uh, he's he's seen those characters before, and I was even trying to think like the the weird brown little yeah. furry furry creature looked familiar to me. Like, I know I've seen this in a comic, but I could not think of what mm-hmm. that, that little critter was. Yeah, well, Lila, uh, Teefs, and Floor, who are the uh, three other animals that Rocket basically grows up around, uh, do appear in uh, Rocket's history in the comic books. Okay, which we're actually going to discuss. Now, heck, won't we just dive in? Because uh, right. I, I, I went I looked up on Marvel fandom, Dr. Herbert Edgar Wyndham was a brilliant Oxford-educated scientist and a cosmic philosopher with an obsession for understanding the complexities of evolution. His journey began with a desire to explore the mysteries of the human DNA, which led him to create a serum that transformed him into the high evolutionary. So now this is, I found that to be interesting. He is human, and they, I mean, you, you look at the character in the movie, and you figure, okay, he looks like he was human, but we've seen a lot of humanoid uh, characters that are from other planets. So I didn't know what they were going for, if he was going to have ever been from Earth in the movie version, but they did keep uh, the counter-Earth concept, which is a parallel world that he created, trying to create a paradise for his new men, which his new men is where he's... Uh, uh, he uplifted animals, giving human-level intelligence, as it says here, which is pretty much what he's doing in this film. But he just didn't get Bova the cow woman at Mount <laughs> Wondagore. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, excuse me. Yeah, there's definitely, uh, you know, because he's got his Citadel of Science, and I guess Mount Wondagore, uh, I guess, might have been his ship. I guess. Uh, well, I don't know if they named it. Laboratories in the comic yeah. book. You know, that, that entire area where Wanda and Pietro came from, Mount Wendigore, was part of the High Evolutionary's um, base of operations. And is that the new revision where they're no longer mutants? Uh, no, this actually goes back to the some of their origins. They were oh, raised okay. by Bova the Cowwoman, um, who herself was created by the High Evolutionary. Um, and Mount Wendigore is where the High Evolutionary conducted his experiments on Earth before creating Counter-Earth. Huh. Well, there you go. But uh, they did some different things for a look. As you look how he's in the comics, he's kind of got metallic arms and legs and kind of very pinkish purple. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, oh, yeah, here's the section on the Maximoff twins. However, at that moment, a pregnant woman, Magna, gave birth to twins Wanda and Pietro on the mountain in the Citadel, and Cathan's power touched them, giving them a conduit into the world. Twins would grow to become the mutant superheroes, the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. The High Evolutionary's new man, Bova, first tried to pass the twins on to Robert Frank, whose wife had died in childbirth, before giving them to a Romani couple who had lost their own children. So yeah, he's got a long history, and of course I don't go and I'm you know read all this out to you, uh, but you definitely can look into. Uh, I mean, he's got a history, and sometimes he. Uh, is somewhat paired like uh, he's not necessarily a threat and the Avengers have worked with him. I, I've seen some stuff like he's yeah. not always that bad. He's just a little bit of a mad scientist and, you know, uh, really has some ethical issues, which we are definitely on display in the film. Uh, something he does that you're just like, no, what are you doing? This is horrible. And uh, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. But yeah, uh, very nice to get to see kind of a, 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 a lesser known character where I was only familiar with the name, the High Evolutionary. I knew he existed, but I didn't really know a whole lot about him. And so it's nice to be able to see him presented in a movie and gives me a chance to go look uh, in on the character. But also, I've, I wanted to know a little bit more of the origin of Rocket Raccoon, who is uh, the, the interesting. The first paragraph tells you how some of this is different. So Rocket Raccoon is a genetically and cybernetically enhanced raccoon turned freelance mercenary turned member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. He is considered to have one of the best tactical minds in the galaxy. He hails from Half-World in the Keystone Quadrant, where scientists were able to turn animals into sentient beings. Alongside his friend and partner Groot, he travels the galaxy picking up bounties. Now, they do give an origin story for him, and I'll go ahead and I'll read that to you all. Centuries ago, a group of, group of alien humanoids settled the largest planet in the Keystone Quadrant star system. They built a complex, a complex to house and treat the insane, recording their medical observations and psychiatric diary. When the shrink's funding was cut, they abandoned the project, but not before they created a staff of robot stewards to provide for the humanoids. They then separated the quadrant from the rest of the galaxy with an impenetrable force field. When a nearby star went nova, ensuing radiation gave sentience to the robots, who quickly chafed at the illogical directives of the humanoids, or loonies. Seeking to end their servitude, the robots used genetic engineering to give intelligence and awareness to the animals that had been left as companions for the patients. They charged the animals with patients' care and protection, then relocated to the far side of the planet, which they proceeded to strip bare through the industrial endeavors. One of which was construction of a vast humanoid spacecraft called SHIP. The half-industrial, half-verdant planet became known as Half-World. The animals continued to care for the humans, and the robots provided a lot of equipment, weapons, and parts for toys. The psychiatric diarrhea left by the physicians, now known in legend as the Shrinks, became an indecipherable icon called Gideon's Bible. Toys played an important part in half-world society as entertainment for the loonies. Without toys, the loonies lapsed into a deep melancholy, so the animals made certain nothing interrupted production. Two otters formed the first toy factory, and upon their death, it was taken over by the mole Judson Jakes, who established his headquarters in Space Wheel Space Station, built by the tortoise Uncle Pico. Pico designed toys, weapons, an army of robot clowns, and the bat-like Draculars. So yeah, slightly different, but uh, one thing that uh, I do wonder, well, it, it seems like these animals were brought there originally to kind of be companions to the humans there. So I wonder if yep. maybe Rocket was brought actually from Earth with a bunch of animal, other animals after all. Well, let's just say, you know, the animals that are there on half on half world are extremely similar to animals from Earth. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I didn't get to finish. They did a, a Rocket and Groot, I think it was a limited series, uh, years and years ago. I think when the first Guardians movie had come out, uh, I think I got two mm -hmm. or three issues of it, and uh, they had a female raccoon that showed up and met up with Rocket, and Rocket had been going around saying, oh, I'm the only one like me, and then suddenly, no, you're not. Here's another one. And I didn't get to finish reading that series. Uh, I'm really kind of curious what all had went on, and I wondered how much of that, that series actually helped to inspire some of the story that we saw in the film. Oh, but here we go. Uh, I just saw something. Uh, Rocket Raccoon flew to the cuckoo's nest where he discovered that Justin Jake's has not only stolen Gideon's Bible, but has also kidnapped Rocket's girlfriend, Lila, as well. The three boarded the ship once again and head towards Judson's satellite headquarters, the Space Wheel. This is part of the Ranger days, uh, which I don't know what the Ranger thing was. As, I don't know. That's a whole different thing. I see Hulk's name mentioned here. But yeah, there's... And nothing to do with him being Ranger Wreck. <laughs> he was Ranger Rocket. Uh, there's a whole page for Lady Lila here, too. 
Lady Lila is a sapient otter and rocket raccoon soulmate. She is the heiress of the largest toy making empire, Mayhem Mechanics, or Mechaniques, I suppose I would call that, on the planet Half World. Her parents were murdered by Judson Jakes, and he took over the company. Only through her marriage would he obtain full rights to the business. So, yeah, I, uh, I, hopefully this character is still alive. I will, oh, look, here's Val, Wal Russ. We got to see him, although he was named Teeth. Oh, and then Justin Jakes, I guess what, uh, he was mentioned before. He is a mole. Uh, I, yeah, this, this looks like a lot of interesting stuff. I'd actually kind of like to check it out and read it because it just looks kind of fun. Uh, all these different animal characters that are actually existing in this fashion. Just, you know, this would make a good animated series. Really, you could make mm-hmm. a series out of Rocket and Groot and have all these adventures with these animals and do all this stuff. Somebody make it. Uh, hello, Disney. <laughs> Disney <laughs> would have to be the one. production right now, so. That would be cool. I would like it. Get some backstory. But uh, well, all right, well, we've, we've been doing the show for over an hour, though. Uh, I don't know that I have anything more to add to you. Uh, not really. I mean, overall, it was an enjoyable movie. They certainly draw on the rich background of uh, the Gardens of the Galaxy and Rocket to mm-hmm. come up and craft this story. Of course, being the MCU, they've got their own little uh, differences between the comic book history and yeah. You know the the stories that they're creating, but uh, you know this has been one of the more enjoyable um, films out of the past couple of years yeah. uh, from Marvel. You know, for me, it's not quite ranking up quite as high as uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home, which is for me has been the pinnacle of what's come out the past few years. But it, it's definitely up there. Yeah, and uh, definitely for that moment that I will always remember, and it reminds me of uh, in Star Wars where Luke, when he goes to the home, burning homestead. And he looks away. Then when he looks back to the camera, he seems like you can see he's changed. We see a same moment for Rocket where we get to we, we understand Rocket and his attitude about things a lot more at certain points in this story. But there is definitely a moment where you see his face go into that surlier look that he always has. We see that happen. And I was like, ooh, there it is. But we understand why he got there. Uh, you're going to enjoy it if you haven't seen this movie yet. You're definitely going to enjoy it. And that was related to the Star Wars story I was supposed to share last week. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you were late on your Star Wars story. So, I was. Uh, well, do we have time? Because you you got to go and make some food. I, I do, I do. But it, it'll take me like maybe two minutes here. Okay, two minutes. I'll time my it. Star Wars, <laughs> my Star Wars memory. You know, of course, Star Wars has been a part of my life as long as I can think of. You know, my parents told me that they had me in the back seat when they went. I I was literally in the back seat, not that they had me in the back seat. Anyhow, I was in the back seat when they went to go watch Star Wars at a drive-in theater. So I was right there from the very beginning, as a little two-year-old tyke. But when I was uh, maybe. Five or six, my family got an RCA video disc player. And one of the movies that they got was Star Wars. So, you know, of course, five years old, Empire Strikes Back had just come out. Um, I'm right at the perfect age. And we get to that part in A New Hope where Luke is there. He sees the bodies of Uncle Ben and Aunt Beru. Okay, and that was enough for me. I, I, the, they're skeletons right there. I don't know if I want to watch this show with skeletons. <laughs> but I was able to get past it, and I've loved it ever since. Oh, indeed, yep. I don't know why, but that never really bothered me that you could kind of see their bodies. I was just like, oh, man, look what they did. Even when I was little, that, you know, I don't know why that didn't bother me, because I never really liked gore. 
Well, you know, maybe it was just because of that uh, bounty hunter who has to be warned no disintegrations. <laughs> yeah, that came later. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, but we better wrap this thing up here. So make sure you visit the website, NeverlandPodcast.com. And right in the middle of the front page, you can see my podcast reviews. Hey, you can leave us a review right there. Also, if you happen to be a podcaster, you want to be able to get your reviews from around the world and get them collected from every source. They will collect your reviews. They'll email you when you have a new one and then send it to you so you can know what's going. I've even got it rigged up where you can see some reviews actually on the website. Uh, so make sure you click on that. I do get a little little tap whenever you do that, so I get like a penny or something. I don't know. <laughs> but it's really inexpensive. It's a really great deal. But we always want to remember to thank Karen Kennedy, Ricky Pope of Christian Nerds Unite, and Darren Wilhite of the Will and Height and Wall Show for their help in creating our opening. Don't forget, you can send us an email, podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. If you didn't get a chance to send a Star Wars story, you know what? I'll still take some. You go ahead. Uh, we are, of course, still on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. Facebook, of course, you can find us if you search for Neverland Podcast. Uh, now, I, I have been mentioning that I'm probably doing a little bit more with the group than I am the regular fan page because... With a group I can post as myself. The other one I have to, I can't just share something I see on Facebook directly to the like page. I have to go and log in as as the podcast, and then I have to go grab stuff. So it's they've made it complicated, and I don't like it. Uh, but we have a group in there that you can join. Uh, we can, let's get some interaction, some conversation going. Uh, and also, of course, we, you can still become an official Neverlander on the website by going and becoming a Lost Boy or Pixie. And why do we have Pixies? Because the girls are too clever; they don't get lost. And don't forget, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast. You can find those links for Patreon. Also, our store where we have shirts. Uh, I got a bunch of shirt designs that I have planned. I just have not gotten around to doing. I've been kind of busy. And when I get home from work, I like to play games. So <laughs> I have more shirt designs that are coming along the lines of the Love is Service, uh, pointing to a verse in Corinthians that I've made the last time, based upon when we had Phil Lawler on here. Uh, I guess it's been a couple of months now. Uh, I have a lot more uh, shirts that uh, that I have planned from that. So I kind of like that we've gotten uh, our different way, and I, I can make Bible verse shirts now, and you know, hopefully y'all will enjoy those as well as I have enjoyed making them and wearing them. But now, as we have to say at the end of every show, and uh, I don't know, Eric, have you gotten to participate in this yet? No, I haven't. Oh my goodness. Well, get lost. In an adventure! <laughs> we'll see y'all next time. Bye. Doctors take Field of Greens for their own health. Here's Dr. Ryan Green to explain. We're like you, too much fast food, not enough exercise. That's why I take Field of Greens. The fruits and vegetables in Field of Greens support my heart, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism for weight loss. And Field of Greens promises your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. Get 15% off with promo code HEALTH at fieldofgreens.com. That's promo code HEALTH at fieldofgreens.com. Product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.